We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Eurostep episode 7. I'm Kane Pittman uh, on a Tuesday afternoon in Milwaukee. Uh, it's daylight savings, the sun is out and everyone's starting to feel a little bit better about themselves including my friend Ty Windish although uh, we'll get to this in a little bit but he did lose a friend today from the Wisconsin herd so uh, how you doing today Ty? I mean I'm alright you know I did lose a close personal friend, uh, fellow J. Cole fan uh christian wood but as you said you know we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that whenever we whenever we deem that the the topic of this episode yeah uh well it's going to be right now because i think that uh you know at this point of the year when when uh, a team like the bucks make a roster move it is uh newsworthy and even though it's probably not going to play uh or have a big impact in how the team's been run the bucks did uh decide to waive christian wood today uh in an attempt to, to alleviate some of the the, the guard concerns with the, with the thin uh, depth with a few injuries. So Tim Frazier, who are, are Bucks fans will know, he was with uh, the team in training camp and he's, he's been around this team before. Uh, somewhat familiar, I guess, with uh, probably some of the things the Bucks are trying to do and we'll get to some numbers in a little bit. But he's a guy that uh, can uh, find his own offense. He's generally pretty uh, safe with the ball and... Um, Really, I think he's he's just been brought in to to be a little bit of a uh, emergency guard in in this situation with with some of the recent injuries that the Bucks have had. Yeah, I mean it's pretty obvious, you know. With uh, especially, you know, we'll get to later the Brogdon injury that the Bucks are short on guards, and you know, I don't really expect Tim Frazier to play a ton, but 
the Bucks are smart to have somebody because obviously, you know, they were down like what three point guards in Utah for that infamous now infamous Donovan Mitchell game. I mean, this is a team that has guards that have missed time, you know, whether it's Sterling Brown or uh, uh, George Hill. I don't know why I thought George's Hill, George Hill's first name started with an S. It doesn't. It's George. But uh, this is a team that's seen some point guard injuries now, Brogdon obviously being the most significant. So having a, an option is nice, even if he might not play all the time. Yeah, it's, it's been a little bit of a rough uh, stretch for the Bucks when you think back to the start of the season. They got through you know, 50-odd games really unscathed, not too many injuries. Um, certainly the starting lineup has been able to be holding steady uh, outside of the odd game or two. But um, just on Christian Wood, I mean, this is a guy that uh, you, you've seen play uh, even more than I have, uh, but at the G League level, 29.3 points per game, 10.1 rebounds, 2.1 blocks. Uh, you know, he, he had 28 games down there. So, I mean, he was dominant at that level, and we've spoke about him before, and I know that the, there's certainly some Bucks fans that are pretty passionate about this guy and, and feel like, you know, maybe the Bucks have, have let go of a guy that uh, has a future in the league. But um, when you think back to uh, the preseason and, and the fact that uh, Wood obviously had a really dominant uh, summer league also uh, there was some thought that he might be a guy that was going to get snatched up pretty quickly and 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 personally I thought at the time and, and this was before we knew what the Bucks were and how good they were going to be that I thought he was a guy that maybe you take a bit of a chance on when you looked at the uh, the Bucks uh, center rotation and Lopez was only on a one-year deal and Thon Maker was uh, anyone's guess as to what he was going to become um, John Henson was sort of a known commodity at this point. I thought that Christian Wood was maybe a guy that you take a flyer on and see what he's got. Um, as it's progressed, uh, just no room for him, and there's no other way to put that. He can do, he can get whatever, he can average fifty points a game in the G League, but it just didn't matter because even when you look at this team now, there's no possible way or scenario that you can come up with a reason that he should be playing ahead of Brook Lopez. Nico Miritich, DJ Wilson, who emerged, and also, which, which hurt Christian Wood and Ersan, you, you're just not going to play him ahead ahead of those guys. So while you know fans may think that they've lost something, I mean, we're going to see what happens with Christian Wood. I, I mean, personally, for the, for the guy, I would like to see him go to a team that uh, isn't quite as good and, and get a chance to, to show what he's got. But uh, it just wasn't going to happen in Milwaukee. And with the way this franchise is trending, you get the feeling that it wasn't going to happen next year either or, or maybe the year after. So... Uh, you know, really uh, not a move that affects the NBA uh, version of the Bucks right now and, uh, and and a move that just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think all of that is true. The thing with Christian is, you know, he's sort of commits the cardinal sin of being on the Bucks in the 2018-19 season as he's just not a very good shooter right now. It's something he's been working on. There's been games where he looks he looks comfortable with it, but I think this season shot about 26% from the three-point line and you know, if your name isn't Giannis, that's not good enough for you to get minutes on the Bucks this year. It's just, it just isn't. I mean, there's some other guys who have struggled a little bit with their shots too, but mostly George Hill and, and Bledsoe. And both of those guys obviously add a lot more than than Wood does in other areas. Um, it's just, you know, he couldn't be that that shooter option. He's not going to get the touches he gets in the G League to sort of just break down defenses. Obviously, they have a guy who does what he does better. You know, it's Giannis again. Um, and Wood's defense at times, his playmaking at times has been really good. I agree with you. I'd love for him to go somewhere where he can really get some burn and, and run and actually play in the NBA, and we can see if the the physicality defense and the, the quickness difference between the G League and the NBA, is it really 
Is it too much for him to do all of these things at the NBA? Is it not? I'd love to find out. But, I mean, yeah, I wonder what the overlap is between, like, DJ Wilson fans and Christian Wood fans because, listen, you're not going to get both of those guys to play. And, honestly, we've just seen more than more from DJ in what the Bucks are looking for. I mean, I said to some Cavaliers friends, you know, I'd love for you guys to pick up Christian Wood and just, like, let him go out there and play with Colin Sexton and see what you got. I mean, I think he's probably closer to – an NBA player than Marquise Chris, who's there right now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just let him go, let him go do stuff, give him some touches, see if he can keep on scoring like he was in the G League and rebounding and all the other things he does, blocking shots. But yeah, there's just a, a guy who plays the way he plays. You know, he's not going to be able to put up thirty every night in the NBA. There's just not a role or minutes for him with Milwaukee, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it's that's that's really it. It was just a timing thing for Christian, and uh, you know, you think any other time in the Bucks, perhaps over the last few years, he probably plays. So, um, you know, from from that standpoint, it is unfortunate uh, for him. I, but I do think that you know he's a guy that uh, those numbers are, are going to be hard to ignore for a team that, uh, you know, particularly down the stretch, maybe they're like, hey, let's get t- uh, ten games of Christian Wood in, or um, you know, certainly take a look at him for potentially a, a spot next year. So. Uh, as you said, um, you know, he's also a great guy. You always see him in the locker room. He's laughing. He's having fun. I know Giannis, like, was, you know, and Giannis gets along with everyone, first of all. But he was another one of uh, the guys that Giannis always seemed to be talking to and supporting and encouraging him. So, uh, and he also mentioned a couple of times that he liked going uh, up against Christian and Christian liked going up against him in practice. So, yeah, look, I, I think there's definitely a future for him. Um, you know, in the end, he only got 13 games and only 4.8 minutes uh uh, with the Bucks and mostly garbage time. He did get some first quarter minutes against the Jazz in that game uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, just, uh, you know, a, a situation, a, a circumstance for Christian Wood. And, uh, and uh, you know, like we both said, hopefully he gets another shot. But uh, as for this current team, Tim Frazier comes in. This is a guy that's been a little bit of a journeyman. He's played for Philadelphia, Portland, New Orleans, Washington. They went back to New Orleans this year. So, uh he has played 47 games this year, 17 starts. So it's not like you're bringing in a guy that is completely underdone and hasn't played at the level. He was averaging 19.3 minutes per game uh, at this season. Uh, five points, 4.4 assists, just 1.3 turnovers. So that's that's something that he does well. He he can be a bit of a distributor uh, and generally just protects the ball. So uh, that, that'll be a nice thing in the minutes that he does get. He also is shooting 35% from three this year, so you tick that box, which is always a box that uh, Bud wants to wants to tick, uh, and a, a true shooting possession percentage of uh, 55.2. So uh, he's put together some nice numbers this year, and it remains to be seen the role that he will play, and a lot of that will depend on uh, you know some of these injuries that that um, you know obviously Brogdon the long term one, but some of the other guys with with George Hill just coming back and Sterling Brown still working through that. Uh, the wrist injury and, and DiVincenzo with the heel bursitis. But, uh, you know, this guy, in terms of guys that you did, when you look at the, the, the talent pool of guys that are available uh, in mid to late March, it's not a bad signing. No, I mean, really, he's like, he's, he's a much more well-rounded Isaiah Cannon, who I think is a little bit worse of a shooter. I sure. mean, Cannon really, like, he, he just shoots. Like, that's what he does. And it's, that's what you get from him, which... You know, for a couple spot games for the Bucks was fine, but I think Tim Frazier. I mean, as you said, I mean he got real minutes. I think in New Orleans this year. I mean, he's a credible point guard option for a team. I mean, obviously the Bucks being much better than the Pelicans, they're not gonna you know rely on him as a starter or anything like that. But he's a guy who you can trust to come in and play minutes, and that 
you know, that has a lot of value now to Milwaukee. I mean, it's it's smarter for the Bucks to take someone they know can play than to give a guy who, you know, maybe could end up being a good player down the road. I mean, they just, frankly, they don't have time for that right now. This is a, a championship run, and the Bucks need stable contributors, and, and that's what obviously they're hoping for from Tim Frazier. Yeah, we've, we've spoke about that a couple times in terms of, uh, yeah, development players and development roles with the Bucks. It, it's just not going to happen. And, uh, you know, you, you get a guy, as you mentioned, and, and, you know, all we both mentioned that has been playing, um, and look, the Pelicans obviously have had a you know a controversial season. He was also in Washington and played quite a few games for Washington this year. But ah, uh, oh, that's where but, it you was. know with New Orleans. Uh, I mean, that's a team that's trying to be competitive. He was playing against them with um, you know some 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 uh, you know good players, good talent. Obviously, Davis and, and Drew Holiday and those and those uh, types of guys. So uh, you know, I, I think in terms of fit. It's not bad if he's a guy that you're going to need to get 10 minutes out of while, again, George Hill is working his way back in uh, and the other guys, um, you know, as well. So we're going to, it's going to be interesting to see whether Bud does lean this way a little bit and go back uh, a little bit smaller. We've seen some, some really um, big time lineups, uh, you know, size wise in the, in the last couple of weeks, mostly through necessity. But defensively, it's going to be interesting to see because. We've seen, we have seen the Bucks defense just slip a little bit since the All-Star break. Uh, and we all sort of uh, pointed to George Hill being a big factor with that. Just he was so uh, influential on the defensive end when he came into the side. So uh, I just was looking through a few lineups, um, you know, with New Orleans. And uh, the most common lineup for Tim Frazier with the Pelicans was with next to uh, Davis, uh, Solomon Hill, uh, Julius Randle, and Drew Holiday. So... Uh, he played 103 minutes with that group and obviously playing next to some talented players there. But, uh, yeah, he had a defensive rating of 103.9, so uh, no, 113.3 offensive rating. So a net rating of 9.4 in 103 minutes, which is a decent sample. So, uh, you know, even though he is only six foot one, he's a little bit undersized. Uh, you know, he's capable as a defender. And, and certainly, again, I know you mentioned Isaiah Cannon, but, yeah, definitely an upgrade on Isaiah. I feel like Tim Fraser's a guy that, I actually am okay with playing like limited minutes, ten minutes a game. Like I feel pretty good about that. Um, probably more so than than Cannon, who defensively uh, didn't bring a lot to the table. So those numbers are encouraging. And and uh, you know if he's going to be someone that play, then someone that plays, then as well as being able to you know make shots, he's going to have to defend. So that'll be one to to keep an eye on if if he does break into the lineup. Yeah, I think he like I think we both agree. He's he's someone that they can just sort of go to and and rely on and, and not in a huge role hopefully, you know, knock on wood, but uh as needed. One more quick thing on Christian Wood just to wrap up this whole roster move of the day. I I don't know how many people know this, but he was actually working with Vin Baker one-on-one quite a bit. And I think some of that work and just his natural growth as a player showed. I felt like his last week of herd basketball was the best I've seen from him all season long. I mean, especially the last two games there against Lakeland and uh, I forget who they played on Wednesday now, but that was a win as well. Um, he just he looked more complete on both ends, and especially to end the Lakeland game, he was just so solid moving the ball on defense, blocks, deflections, just altering shots. And I think that work with Vin helped out a lot, and I think – I think Christian Wood's going to end up getting at least one shot somewhere. I hope so. I'd like to see what he could do on the NBA. Level. Yeah, for sure. Me too. And, and you've been around the, the herd a lot more than me and Jordan Brady. I know I spoke to, to 
to coach Brady and, and he, he mentioned like some of those things he said hey he's going to be better defensively and we're working with him uh in that and also we're working on uh him understanding that the way he plays down at this level isn't necessarily the way he's going to play in the NBA so we're teaching him different things and being able to uh, fit into the system that the Bucks were trying to run so look uh, I think everyone involved was sort of on the same page with the way this was going but the reason that, you know, in the end, when you when you, when you you come back to it, the reason why Christian Wood got waived today is because Malcolm Brogdon uh, out for six to eight weeks uh, with the foot injury. And look, uh, you know, we knew that this, this starting group uh, has been pretty healthy outside of, you know, obviously Giannis missed a couple of games with the knee. But right on the eve of the playoffs, you think back to last year with Brogdon also, he did get back for the for the start of the playoffs, but missed major time leading up to the playoffs. So really the timing could not have been any worse for a guy that was putting together a pretty incredible season. Yeah, I mean the you know, the sole grim bright spot is it, it locks in his fifty forty ninety for the year, which I mean I, I don't think that was really gonna be in danger anyway. Brogdon's efficiency has been just obviously rock solid all year. It, it's just it's doubly you know doubly sucks because obviously from the Bucks side of things, no player had been a more consistent outside threat, which is obviously crucial for this offense. I know Eric Name today wrote about how good his drives have been, or at least how often he's driven. I know Bledsoe and Giannis are better, but Brogdon drives a lot to help open up things. He's just such a steady, reliable contributor on both ends. It never really seems like. He's having a terrible night. Obviously, everyone does, but his seem few and far between. And it just it, it stinks to lose him. And then, obviously, on his side, he's, I'm sure, going to try to come back and play in the playoffs. But just having an injury like that right before your, your first free agency, your restricted free agency, it's just brutal. I mean, he was a guy who I, I think a couple teams had sort of I don't know if they expressed interest or just people, you know, covering them or around the league had hinted they might express interest at giving him quite a big payday. And I think, you know, just the chances of that are less now. You know, he's probably not going to come back at 100%. Maybe he'll be able to. That'd be great. But you just got to feel for the guy, you know, who's never had a big contract heading into restricted free agency for the first time and then obviously, you know, gets hurt right before. It's just an unfortunate situation for everybody. No, it is. And and this is, you know, with, with Brogdon coming out of college, there was some concern uh, about his ability to stay healthy. Obviously, he's a little bit older, 26 years old right now. But, you know, just a guy that's continued to get better. And, and when you thought, you know, after that rookie season, I guess the question was, uh, where is his actual ceiling? Like, how much better can he get? Obviously, the Bucks get more talented, and that has helped him out, uh, you know, in a big way. But... Uh, his numbers have just improved like consistently every single season, up to 15.6 points per game. So it's not like he's putting up that uh, 50, 40, 90 and, and, you know, not putting points on the board. I mean, 15.6 points a game uh, in this offense. You spoke about how efficient he is getting to the rim. And we saw a little bit of that uh, yesterday when, when you insert Miritich into the starting lineup. That's probably the biggest point, uh, uh, you know, area that the Bucks lost um some drive on offense because, yeah, with Brogdon, not only is he that elite catch and shoot from three, 42.6% from three on the season, but he's got that ability to put it on the floor, really crafty finisher around the rim. But um, before we get to the starting lineup, you you touched on a a fact that, you know, uh, people, um, you know, maybe aren't thinking about as much. This really sucks for him in terms of coming into free agency and, and as, uh, I sort of mentioned that there were some concerns about his health coming in. 
how much money does this cost this guy? And he has deserved, um, you know, a big payday this summer. So hopefully, uh, you know, from that point of view, I guess it depends how you want to look at it. Maybe the Bucks uh, get a discounted deal, but you know, for Malcolm, uh, you're just on a personal level. That really sucks for a guy that uh, you know second round pick and really deserves that payday. Um, you know, so uh, you know, from a personal standpoint as well, it, it's it's a big blow for him. But uh, he did say yesterday at the arena that that he uh, certainly expects to be back uh, in the playoffs and. Uh, you know, we shouldn't skip over the fact that how how good this Bucks medical staff is. They'll have him ready to go. So I got no doubt that Malcolm will be back at some point, as long as the Bucks are still alive. But uh, yeah, just just a big blow, a guy that's just been such a valuable contributor for this team. No, and you know, you, obviously you don't want, you want no one to be hurt. That's the goal. But just the added fact that you know we've talked all along about the four starters. It became three when Bledsoe signed his extension. But you know, four guys who were slated to be free agents this year, you know, he's the only one who had never gotten a big payday before. It's just like, oh, come on. I mean, like I said, of course, I don't want anyone to get hurt. I think it just sucks a little extra that the one guy who hasn't had a big multi-year, big money deal, I mean, Middleton's wasn't huge by NBA standards, but, I mean, the guy locked in $80 million already. Bledsoe got a big deal from Clutch Sports. Brooke Lopez has had a big contract before in Brooklyn. It just stinks for Brogdon, but, you know, I, I like the hopeful note that you ended on. And I think I think also that just his work ethic, his intelligence, everything else, he'll be able to rehab, stay focused, and and hopefully I think I think Giannis said it best. We will be in the second round, and he can join us then. I love the way he said that. Yeah, I did notice that quite. It was funny. I was uh, um, <clears throat> reading through some of the stuff from the post game today, and I I did notice that. And uh, yeah, that's the way this team is. They don't get uh, you know bothered by. You know, certain results or, or losing games at this point, they got a lot of confidence, and uh, and they want to do it for Malcolm as well, and get to that point so he can come back and join the team. But uh, you know, with uh, Brogdon's absence, Bud went with Nikola Mirotic yesterday in the starting lineup. Not a great day for Mirotic, but uh, you know, it was a sign that that perhaps this is the way they're going to lean. And Bud did say after the game that just because he went with Mirotic yesterday, so they're going to go back to the drawing board and and think about potential other lineups. And we know that. He loves Ersan, and Ersan's been playing really well of late. So maybe Ersan's a guy that they look to bring in. They leave Miritich uh, with the second unit. I'm not sure. Maybe now they've got an option to go a little bit smaller. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, I think you, you, you had some numbers with the with the big lineups. Or, um, you know, how did you see uh, that that sort of group go yesterday? And is, is that something that, you know, you sort of feel comfortable with? Well, it's funny. It's it's a little hard to use lineup data in, in small uh, settings with Bud because he uses a lot of different yeah. lineups. So that big starters group of Bledsoe, Middleton, Giannis, Miritich, Lopez played 31 minutes over the Bucks' last five games, and it, it did really well. I mean, a net rating of 26.6, which, again, it doesn't mean a ton in that sample size, but in those five games, the Bucks went 3-2 and two in that stretch. That lineup, I mean, absolutely crushed the opposition. And interestingly... The, you know, the next most used lineup just has 11 minutes, according to this NBA.com data. So a lot of different groups have been used, but the one with Connaughton in place of uh, of Brogdon in that starters over three games, it went one and two. Like I said, only 11 minutes. A bad defensive rating of 141.7, but a ridiculous offensive rating of 165.4. So those 11 minutes must have just been bonkers. So it's not you know, very helpful to read a lot from these sample sizes. We're talking about 42 minutes between those lineups combined, but it is a little, you know, positive at least that 
we've seen those groups have some success recently. Yeah, I mean, but again, it's it's hard to draw. You know, it's hard to feel rock solid about it. For sure, and I, I think that uh, you know we know that the concerns with those lineups and you know potentially Miritich a little bit. Uh, although he has you know had some good defensive moments, is the defensive end. We know that the offense has been rolling really well, basically regardless. But uh, you know that that same applies to Pat Connor. And it was only eleven minutes, and he touched on that, but. Uh, we briefly spoke about this before the pod, but, uh, you know, I, again, I, I think the Bucks are really missing Sterling Brown uh, out out on the floor right now. He's, the wrist injury is still keeping him out. Bud mentioned just last week that they actually stopped him from shooting altogether. So for a sort of an innocuous injury that's felt like it came out of nowhere, it's ended up being a little more serious than, than we all would have hoped. So, um, you know, I, I think that Sterling is a guy that the Bucks really want back. And the reason for that is that at times, Connaughton, uh, while his energy is incredible and his ability to rebound, and he's been hitting a couple of shots lately as well, which has been big, he doesn't have the same discipline defensively that Sterling Brown does. And I, I really think that's what the Bucks are missing. Not only does Brown bring physicality, but his discipline on defense, he's able to keep his feet on the floor and, uh, you know, just be in good position defensively, as well as we know that he's a knockdown shooter from the corners, particularly on the other end. So, uh, you know, for a guy that was out of the rotation early in the season, Sterling Brown is, you know, feels to me like a guy that the Bucks have missed a lot of. So, um, you know, we'll watch his progress. Hopefully he's not too far away. Bud seemed somewhat optimistic, but uh, again, uh, that injury seems like it was a little more serious than we all first uh, first thought it was. Um and, and, and as for Miritich yesterday in particular, when you look at that starting lineup, the Sixers are such a hard team for, uh, you know, for the Bucks to go big against because someone has to be the odd man out. And you can put Giannis on Simmons and Lopez can take Embiid, but then you're leaving Miritich and he's sort of floating and he has to guard a, a Tobias Harris or what, you're going to put him on a Jimmy Butler. I just think it's a really, really tough matchup to go big uh, like that. And you get an advantage on the offensive end for sure, but there was a couple of times yesterday where, um, you know, Tobias Harris, even though he didn't have a big day, uh, just seemed that it was too easy for him to maneuver his body and get to different spots on, on Miritich, who was you know, obviously quite a bit bigger than him. Yeah, and I think, honestly, we saw kind of the same thing with Ilyasova on him yeah. too. I mean, like you said, the, the numbers didn't bear it out. He didn't have a huge day. He actually had one of his lowest usage days of his career since his time in Milwaukee, which feels like a, whole, a really long time ago. But... I think it's no coincidence that we saw more of DJ Wilson in that game where the Bucks had, you know, their bigs healthy. But DJ, just a better option to go against a guy like Tobias if he's going to play the, you know, three or four, whichever. If you got Giannis on someone else, and obviously Lopez on Embiid. And DJ had a nice game. I mean, six points. Or no, not six points. I'm looking at the Sixers. 13 points on five for eight shooting, three for six from deep. Kind of broke the the slump he was in we talked about last time. But it's nice for the Bucks that – Given that, you know, we assume despite his, his love for playing veterans, which I think makes a lot of sense on a competitive team, Budenholzer, I think, will go to DJ if the matchup really requires it. And the Bucks have the option. I mean, they can go big. They can go bigger. They can go slightly less big with DJ. They could, you know, throw Tony Snell in there. If Sterling's healthy, he might, get, he might see time in the starting lineup, potentially. Um, I think it's important to note, too, with Connaughton, not to dispute anything you said, but that's like the third option for the backup 2-3 guy. I mean, there's DiVincenzo was getting those minutes. He's hurt right now as well. And then Sterling, too, who it seemed like when all three were healthy, Sterling was the guy, then DiVincenzo, then Connaughton. So he's not been great defensively, for sure. I think his offense is very up and down, in my opinion, for Pat C. But, it's again, that's like he's your third option. He's like your, your last-ditch resort there. I mean, that's, 
that's pretty good for depth. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and again, like we we saw. I think in the last pod we might have mentioned Connaughton. Like I'm not I'm not knocking Connaughton. I like Connaughton. I think he brings a lot of good things to the table. But you touch on it, and I think it's going to be interesting to see. I would not be surprised, depending again on the recovery and, and how easily he's going to be able to come back. And remember, it's, it's only a wrist injury for Sterling, so while that could affect the the shot, which it obviously has, he'll be fit, he'll be uh, you know he'll be in game shape. He'll he'll be getting a lot of uh, run in the legs. So I wouldn't. And again, this is just a feeling after watching the game yesterday, and depending on matchups, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Sterling be a guy that that, that slots into the uh, into the starting lineup. He does on a sort of a slightly lesser scale, bring a lot of things that, that Malcolm can bring uh, and a little bit more size defensively. So, yeah, Sterling is definitely a player to watch for mine. But uh, with DJ, I asked Bud about DJ after the game because, you know, there was a stretch there in the second quarter. And we talk about Wilson's defense a lot of the times, but I, I thought, uh, you know, obviously his offense kept the Bucks in the game because they were just hanging. I mean, it felt like they were hanging in the game all day, but those uh, three three-pointers from Wilson were huge. And, uh, yeah, we've always sort of speculated about why DJ was in, out of the lineup or, or not playing and Ursan was playing. Um, and the fact that the slump, the shooting slump happened at the same time, we, we sort of asked the question, is that why he hasn't been playing? And Bud mentioned after the game when I, when I asked him, he said, uh, he said, I thought the other night in Miami came in and gave us a little six, eight-minute stretch. It's more, it's more just making shots for him, but it's also more than making shots. Uh, so credit to DJ for staying ready, working before and after practice. So he sort of said it, and then he tried to back away from it. But um, <laughs> he basically revealed that DJ wasn't making shots, and that can be enough to put you in and out of the rotation. So even though it wasn't the, you know, the most clearest of quotes from Biden, we also like, had a chuckle about it after. But um, you know, that, was, that was an interesting comment from him. So for DJ to make shots, uh, that, that's a good sign that he might be able to, you know, start to really work his way back into the into the rotation. I think I just think with him I've I've become and it's so funny considering how, you know, myself and everyone looked at him before the season, but like when when he's on, the potential, like the flashes he shows are just I mean, captivating. Like this is a guy who will like dribble into a three and, and take it and it looks so easy for him. And defensively it's obviously playing a lot better than any of us expected. And I thought randomly watching him on Sunday yesterday as we record this of the, the press conference or whatever when they first talked about him and Jason Kidd joked about how he couldn't rebound. And I just thought how far we've come from those days. Yeah, why did, why did I uh, – you just, you just brought up a pretty good point. I don't know why I opened this podcast saying it was Tuesday, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I guess uh, I, was, I was running on Australian time. But you're right, it's Monday. Uh, but – yeah, no, he was, he was big DJ and, and they needed someone because when I mentioned about him making shots and how they, they kept the Bucks in the game, uh, Milwaukee ended up going down 130 to 125. And, and in, in some ways, it's a, you know kind of crazy that they still scored 125. Obviously, Giannis uh, with, the, with the career night, 52 was just absolutely ridiculous. He got to the line, uh, you know, relentlessly and just would not stop. And he had the big, the, the big turned ankle that uh, I, I've, I don't think I've ever heard uh, Fiserv uh, you know, in unison being that much panic, it just went to, uh, oh, and it, was, it was quiet in there. It was kind of a scary moment, but he gets up and, and we've seen him, and I commented on this, but we've seen him uh, roll his ankle endless times and he's like the rubber man and, uh, you know, knock on wood that, that stays that way. But he was limping a little bit after the game, but it didn't stop him down the stretch. He was incredible. He had 16 rebounds and seven assists to go with that. But 
the other starters just were not able to help him out. And I, I tweeted the numbers earlier today, but this is on wide open shots. So that uh, on NBA.com is, uh, you know, when the defender is six uh, feet or more away from you. So seriously open shots. Uh, Middleton uh, was two for seven. Miritic, uh, 0 for 4. Uh, Lopez, 3 for 8, not too bad. And Bledsoe just 1 for 2. Again, he, he didn't take a lot of shots. So the rest of the starters outside of Giannis, 6 for 21 from the field, 5 for 19 from 3, just 26% on those wide-open looks. And in a game, you lose by 5 points. And you think uh, a lot went wrong for the Bucks. Uh, those numbers are a pretty uh, decent indication that it was just a bit of an off day for, for Milwaukee. And, um, you know, they didn't need a lot to to change for them to probably come away with a win. No, I think you know, I think you know every team, pretty much every team, you know, maybe not the seventy three win Warriors, but you know, there's just going to be slumps. There's going to be down stretches, and I think it's probably good the Bucks are getting their if they're going to have a, a down slump where they kind of need to grow as a team and face some adversity and regroup, which I know players think Giannis or somebody's talked about. You know, it's good we're going through something now. We can get through it and get ready for the playoffs. It's better to happen now. You know, March, mid to late March is not the biggest time of the year for the NBA. It is for the NCAA, though. And the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, March Madness, is the greatest betting event of the year. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first-round upsets, or all of the above, my bookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates at Duke There's a lot of ones. They have big names. Even I know about them. Will they cement their legacy with a title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? And can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, like me, MyBookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone. Even you, multiple bracket guy. I just do one. It's it's just too many. But even you, other guy, you you got some at MyBookie. They've been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business. And the best part is they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours. That's pretty quick. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash. Deposit with MyBookie today with promo code BLUEWIRE, all caps, one word, BLUEWIRE, for a 50% sign-up bonus. Promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. With my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid, like all these bucks are going to do in free agency. I feel like I returned to form. That was, uh, again, yeah. I, I feel like you, you're, you're one of the best in the business when it comes to ad raids. And uh, I didn't think my last one was that good, but I was a little sick, so I'm, I'm going to write it off to that. I can feel you, man. Everyone needs to, get, everyone needs to like <laughs> give themselves an excuse for something, and uh, you know. I, I think that, you know, maybe the Bucks are coming up with some excuses why they missed all those open shots. But we, uh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, just getting back to that game, it was interesting because 53-point attempts for the Bucks uh, is the most they've had since de- December 29 uh, against Brooklyn. So uh, we, we seen earlier in the season they were really jacking them up at, at a super high rate. They've backed off a little bit uh, as, you know, a couple of guys take a few steps in. Chris Milton, Giannis taking a few more of those mid-range shots. But... Uh, yeah, 53-point attempts. Obviously, it didn't pan out. I thought a lot of them were good looks, and those numbers that I mentioned earlier will, um, you know, uh, suggest that. But interesting down the other end, and, and I, I, again, I tweeted some stuff about this earlier, but this is why I think that the, the Sixers are not a bad matchup for Milwaukee. And even though their, their starting lineup is star-studded, and they've got a number of guys that have made a career out of, out of uh, 
you know, having big moments in games and making tough shots. And again, we've seen that Jimmy Butler was crazy in the last quarter. But Joel Embiid goes four for 13 from three. Uh, the uh, the 13 three-point attempts is, is a, a career high for him. He hadn't taken any more than eight in a game this season. He had seven uh, against the Bucks earlier in the season. And we know that the Bucks are one of the best uh, defenses in the league in terms of protecting the paint. Embiid is only a 29% three-point shooter. If he wants to shoot 13 threes in a game, you're going to let him do that all day long. And they weren't all good looks from three either. So... Uh, you know, I, I think defensively, like when the Bucks look back at this game and, and and assess, you know, how it happened, sometimes you just have to tip your hat to guys making tough shots. Butler certainly did that in the fourth, and Embiid, you know, while I'm talking about his three point shooting, he made a really tough one in the fourth. So, uh, you know, that's the danger with Philadelphia that their guys are, are they do just have so many guys that are capable of making those tough shots, but defensively. I, I think the Bucks were fine, and uh, you know, Ben Simmons is the other one who we know is like dynamic in transition. The Bucks did such a great job of limiting limiting the fast break points, and Milwaukee won that total 32 to 13. Simmons only has eight shots. He only makes four. He only has eight points down from a season uh, average of 17. He's now only averaged 11 points over the two games of the Bucks. So, look, the Bucks defense is a formula that will help them to limit Simmons, potentially push Embiid a little bit out to the perimeter where you want him shooting the ball. So, Look, while they give up 130 points, uh, I, I think you'll look at the raw numbers and see that the Sixers shooting uh, high 40s from three and, and, and high 40s from the field probably felt like there was a little bit of luck related there. So uh, I just don't think that Bud looks back at this game uh, and, and thinks that uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a terrible defensive performance. Probably some tweaks need to happen, but I think overall they were, they were kind of they – were, they were fine. No, absolutely. I, I saw when it live when it was happening on Twitter. I think a couple of people sort of referred to the Embiid three that ended up being the dagger. It's like, oh, this is an example of you know why the defense isn't whatever else. And it's like you can't just take one shot and do that. I mean, like you said, four for thirteen on the night. That's exact. Like they got the exact result they wanted by by letting Embiid shoot threes. I mean, that's that's not an efficient shot for him. It wasn't in this game. He made the one that counted. Props to him for making it. But, I mean, that helped them stay in the game. You know, when they were making their last run, it was because Embiid was taking some of these semi-open threes and, and not drop. they weren't dropping. So I think, if anything, it was sort of a, a confirmation that the Bucks, you know, defense is smart. 130 is not ideal. Obviously, they want to take that down a little bit. But a guy like Embiid's going to drop 40 points sometimes. A guy like Jimmy Butler's going to drop 27 sometimes. I, I do wonder, and I, I want to get, I want to talk Giannis at some point because I think we should talk about a few things for for him from this game. But do you feel like Philly has too many cooks in the kitchen? I mean, I'm sure people will say, "Oh, you know, look at the Warriors; they can do it." But one of their guys, Clay Thompson, is great offensively, but he's such a deferential player on that end. I mean, he's his shot selection is closer to JJ Redick than it is to either any of the other four guys. I mean, he doesn't hunt out his own offense too often, and the other guy, Draymond, doesn't hunt out his shot at all. I mean. He's a great distributor and obviously a terrific defender, but it's not like Draymond has ever scored like 25 points per game. I mean, Philly's got four guys here who are like first options, kind of need the ball to work. And I mean, it doesn't hurt to have talent, but I don't think it's a seamless fit. Well, I, I mean, the big thing with Philadelphia is the personalities and, and you know, 
Tobias Harris obviously is not an issue in that regard. We know that you know he's he's just a uh, you know a quality quality guy and a quality person in the locker room, so he's going to be fine. But you know between Butler and Bede and Simmons, that is going to be the question. And uh, you know I, I think yesterday we probably saw um, the balance that you want, and maybe you want Ben Simmons to be more involved and, and take more shots. But you know Butler getting his sixteen shots, uh, you know Embiid. I mean he 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 got a lot of shots up, and you mentioned that if he's going to score forty points, I think again when you look at the game from the Bucks' point of view, you're like, okay, if Embiid's going to score forty points and take thirty one shots and thirteen from three, then you're going to say, okay, we'll live with it, and and you know we'll stop the other guys. So I only think it's a problem if if the you know the personalities are clashing and and there's uh, an issue in the locker room. Um, you know. Again, this is the big thing with, with Philadelphia that I keep looking at uh, is what can their bench bring in? And, you know, Mike Scott, TJ McConnell, James Ennis, uh, and Boban, who I, I just don't think you can play Boban at all. Like, he, he got one bastard there on TJ Wilson because he got a lucky bounce and he's, he's just an absolute giant. But, you know, he was, he was, uh, you know, he was lost out there and he's just too big. Like, I, I don't think that he can play in the playoffs. So, again, Philadelphia, I think they're a real threat, and we shouldn't we shouldn't gloss over the fact that the these guys are still figuring it out. They haven't played a lot together, so while the Bucks are working through some different lineups and trying to figure out some things, and Miritich is just getting adjusted, and now they you know maybe they're going to um, you know introduce some of these guards into the lineup. The Bucks are working some things out and tinkering with some stuff, but so are Philly. So I think Philly's going to get better uh, as long as they all get along. Uh, I think they're going to be a really really tough team to beat in the playoffs, but. Uh, yeah, I've been on the record many times saying that I still think they are the best matchup for Milwaukee, uh, you know, as opposed to Toronto and Boston. Yeah, I mean, just to end on the Philly bench note, I mean, their their bench players shot a combined nine for twenty eight from the field. None of them better than forty percent field goal shooting in this game, and you know, every starter except Embiid shot at least fifty percent from the field, and he was one shot away, and you know, one bad three from shooting fifty percent himself, so. That's going to be the difference. I think you really have to win the bench minutes, and I think the Bucks kind of lost out on that. I mean, in Boban's underwhelming minutes, the Sixers were a plus 12. So I think that's something where you just need to take advantage of when those bench guys are out if you're a deeper team like Milwaukee. But, I mean, the performance in this one, to really talk about, it's got to be honest. I mean, the 52 points is obviously exciting. 16 rebounds, what we come to expect from Giannis. Seven assists and one turnover is brilliant, but I think – what a lot of people might be most excited about here is three for eight from three and 19 for 21 from the free throw line. I mean, is this the most efficient Giannis shooting game ever? Well, it was impressive. And I think the interesting thing to, to take note from the game was the fact that he wasn't getting it all his own way at the start of the game. He wasn't getting the looks in the paint. He he mentioned after the game that, yeah, Embiid's a tough defensive player to work against because he's just so big. And while Giannis can sort of maneuver his way around a lot of guys, Embiid presents a challenge there. So, Look, it was a rough, rough, a sort of a rough start for Giannis uh, shooting the ball. He wasn't getting those calls. So what does he do? He's like, okay, Embiid's giving me some room. I know I've got the confidence now to shoot some threes. And he snocks them down and he hits three threes. And all of a sudden, things started to, to open up for him and he got some looks. So we always talk about Giannis, uh, you know, a question whether he needs a shot. I've never said that he's needed a shot. I don't believe he needs a shot because we watch him dominate every single night. But... Uh, this was interesting as a little case study to see, okay, well, if he does have a shot and he starts hitting some threes and actually saying, okay, Embiid, you're going to leave me like that wide open, I'm just going to knock down threes. All of a sudden, things change. The 21 free throws are obviously impressive. And even more impressive than that is the fact that he made 19 on 90% from the free throw line, hit some free throws late, 
when he was fatigued, which has sometimes been an issue with Giannis. So, yeah, just an incredible game. And when you think that the Bucks hadn't been on ABC since, I think, 2004, they get the national TV game uh, that, you know, a lot of people are watching. And even though they get the last 52, game, uh, 52 points, it, w- it was an incredible effort. No, and I think the biggest part about shooting the threes in that situation against Embiid is really the only guys we've seen defend him very well, in my opinion, are, are centers. Because they, you know, even if a guy can sort of keep up and stay in front of Giannis, most of those perimeter defenders, if he gets anywhere down low, it's it's over. I mean, we saw him just pummel Ben Simmons into the paint, turn around and just smash a dunk home on his head. And Ben Simmons, quote unquote, got him back. I mean, there was a putback kind of behind him. I don't think it was really the same, in my opinion, but I might be biased. Who knows? Anyway. You know, but Ben Simmons is a terrific defender, perimeter defender one-on-one, and he's just not bulky enough for Giannis. Those centers, if they can stay in front of him a bit, they've presented the biggest challenge, but they can only stay in front of him a bit if they can hang off of him, leaving him open for those threes. And, you know, he would dribble back and then pull a three. I mean, that's kind of a tough, awkward three-pointer to take, yeah. but he made them look pretty easy. And that that really, we talk about, you know, people say all the time, you know, oh, if he gets that, he'll be unguardable. He was unguardable in the end of that game, and it was because of the three-point shot. I don't think he needs it, quote-unquote, either, but it made him unguardable in that game because all of a sudden, Embiid just, there was nothing left he could do. I mean, if you leave him open, he's going to pull. He shot 37% in that game, which is more than good enough, and if you go out there, he's probably going to get around you. Yeah, just just the uh, just the strength of, of the artist that we continue to just be – uh, you know, amazed by and and you touched on that that dunk on Simmons and there was multiple times where uh, Simmons got uh, Giannis one on one and and Giannis is backing him down and and Simmons is six ten like when those guys stand next to each other and you're at floor level and you're standing next to them they don't look that different but Giannis like treated him like he was going like he was getting guarded by a point guard I, I know Simmons is a point guard but point you know a six two six three <laughs> guy. Uh, I mean, it's just ridiculous. He's so strong. There's nothing Simmons could do. So, yeah, again, just the, the, the strength of Giannis continues to amaze. But, uh, you know, all in all, uh, the Bucks go down. But it was a, it was a fun atmosphere. And, uh, you know, uh, the crowd was, was ready to go. And they just needed the Bucks to get over the hump. But that was a little uh, sneak preview of what Fiserv was going to be like in the playoffs. It was a whole lot of fun. And the crowd was incredible, as I mentioned. It was a record crowd. I think 18,148. So, uh, they were ready to go. I think they loved the day game, St. Paddy's Day. I think people were, uh, were were ready to go. But yeah, a really big week for the for the Bucks this week. Uh, yeah, they've got a Cavs game in there, but also uh, hosting the Lakers on uh, Tuesday night. It is. I get the day right. Uh, they've also got the Clippers <laughs> and the Rockets are coming in in the next week or so. So a big week, and the Bucks get to really uh, you know be challenged by uh, you know the Clippers and Rockets, a couple of playoff teams. So. Um, yeah, they're going to get to to mix and match and 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 figure it out against some of these good teams, and hopefully, uh, you know, just continue to to feel confident moving in with with you know the playoffs right around the corner now. No, I think so for sure, and it'll be nice. Hopefully, the Bucks, you know, Brogdon will be the the one who probably won't, but if they can just get fully healthy, you know, kind of get their rhythm back, sort of snap out of this what's been a, a slow stretch for them in time for the playoffs. I think that's all that really matters. I don't think anyone is hopefully too concerned with the game here or there at this point in the season when we've seen what the Bucks can do when they're operating at, you know, 100% or something close to it. Yeah, no doubt. And, and the Bucks again, did not lose any ground in the standings with the Raptors losing uh, once again. They seem to lose every time the Bucks lose. But 
The Bucks are 52 and 18, so they've got a three-game lead. May as well be four-game uh, lead in, in first place over the Raptors. So they'll uh, welcome LeBron into the Fiserv Forum for the first time and the, and the Lakers, who are a bit of a rival. We don't, I guess we don't know if LeBron's going to play. We probably don't know if Giannis yeah. is going to play, depending on the ankle. So uh, we'll see. But that, that should be a big game. And again, I think it's going to bring a, a pretty big crowd. So uh, it is Monday afternoon. Uh, here in Milwaukee. So me and Tyler in the lead up to the playoffs and through the playoffs, we're going to record uh, every Monday and every every Thursday. So we've locked down those two days. So keep an eye out for that uh, moving forward and uh, and keep enjoying the show. Thanks for thanks for listening. And what have you got, Ty, to wrap up? Or are you uh, you pretty happy with this? I'm, I'm really happy with this. Just to add, you know, those episodes will probably go up those nights, sometimes those mornings, but you can look for them around that time area of the week. And folks, if you're listening to this, you're not already subscribed, you should do so. We're on Stitcher now. We'll tweet out those links as well, but we're now on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I think we're looking to add whatever we haven't so far, but we're just trying to bring you the podcast however you listen to them. And uh, yeah, we hope you like it. Well, that sounds good. We will catch you on Thursday. Uh, We'll be able to recap the Lakers game and also a potential Dali Revenge game on, on Wednesday night in Cleveland. So Uh, we'll catch you on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Yep. Thanks everybody. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.